On today's devotional journey with Jesus on his way to Calvary, we've reached the high priest's house where some sort of quasi-judicial trial is about to take place. Here is how Matthew records it in Matthew 26, verses 57 to 69. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following them at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I abjure you by the living God. Tell us if you, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? A few months ago, just before Russia invaded Ukraine, the British Foreign Secretary held talks with her opposite number in Moscow. Sergei Lavrov later described the talks as the mute talking with the deaf. It was a stark, brutal description of their failure to communicate. Without being irreverent, that describes exactly what goes on in the high priest's house. Caiaphas, the high priest, presided over the Jewish council known as the Sanhedrin, composed of 70 leading religious and social figures in Israel. They had vested interests in keeping the peace with Rome, and were unhappy with anyone likely to disturb it, especially one Jesus from Nazareth, whom they saw as a potential troublemaker. Their spies had dogged his footsteps for some time, but the stakes had recently been raised by his coming to the capital city, Jerusalem, rather than being content to confine his, in their view, absurd and unjustifiable claims in the distant area of Galilee. What's more, he was visiting Jerusalem at festival time, the Passover. He'd already caused a stir in the temple. They couldn't risk a further uprising and widespread breakdown of what they saw as the peace. But how to get rid of him? Their powers were limited. 
In order to ensure a fair trial, they had to hold it in the daytime, have a suitable quorum, produce evidence supported by at least two witnesses for the prosecution, and then wait for a day before any sentence was carried out. They didn't have the power to impose the death penalty. What Caiaphas and his co-conspirators do stretches legality to its limits. They hold their hearing at night, although it may have gone into the next day. They produce two witnesses, but both are liars. You'd have thought there would have been plenty of people who could testify against him, since his preaching and miracles had not exactly been done in secret. But no. Being primarily a religious council, they expressed the charges in terms of blasphemy, a charge significant to them, but one to which the Romans might be indifferent. However, to satisfy Roman law, it could always be translated into sedition, a claim against the emperor's authority. And that's the nub of it. To the Sanhedrin, blasphemy involved showing contempt for God and all that the Jews believed to be sacred. Among the most sacred elements of the Jewish faith was the temple and misinterpreting Jesus' words. The witnesses claimed to have heard him threaten to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Strange indeed since it had already taken 34 years to build and still wasn't finished. No matter, in saying this, Jesus was setting himself up in their view as superior to all, as uniquely related to the God of Israel, as his special son, and indeed, though the concept was a bit variable, as the Messiah. Enough as far as Caiaphas was concerned. Jesus was claiming to lead an alternative kingdom, to be initiating a new form of government in which God himself, embodied in Jesus, would replace both the Jewish and Roman authorities. Now, if only Jesus would admit it. After failing to get a confession when Jesus remained silent, Caiaphas tried a full frontal mocking, sarcastic attack. I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you, prisoner, are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus gave to us what sounds like one of his more enigmatic replies. You have said so. Your words, not mine, Caiaphas. But he doesn't stop there. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. There's so much in that. No wonder Caiaphas lost it. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, his favourite way of talking about himself rather than Son of God. But that title together with being seated next to God's throne and the reference to the clouds, would have taken them straight back to Daniel 7. In view of what Daniel says there, it was obvious that Jesus was unapologetically claiming to be the Messiah, the Christ who was to come, 
and to whom God was giving authority, glory and sovereign power, and an international kingdom whose dominion, unlike Rome's or that of the Jewish people, would never come to end. And it was happening decisively right now, from now on. Caiaphas was deaf to all this. He, like Peter later, could only think in terms of conventional earthly kingdoms, the kingdoms of military power, of imposed law, of false propaganda and of human oppression. God's kingdom stood all that on its head as a kingdom of truth and love and freedom and of self-giving. They just couldn't understand what he was talking about. It was a dialogue with the deaf. But if Caiaphas was deaf, Jesus, at least for some time, was mute, fulfilling the role of the suffering lamb of Isaiah 53. He went silently through the process of a travesty of justice before admitting who he was and voluntarily surrendering his life to execution for the salvation of others. We still live in a world where there's a clash of powers. The conventional rulers of the earth with their tactics of power politics and military might versus the kingdom of God. Don't expect rational conversation to convince those enmeshed in the secular worldview to understand the folly of the cross. But only one kingdom wins in the end. And it's not the kingdom of Caiaphas or Pilate and their ilk. It's the kingdom of the son whom God loves. Don't make Pilate's mistake. Ask God to free you from the shackles of a false worldview and transfer your allegiance permanently to the Son of Man, who one day will come on the clouds of heaven and return to earth to fully and finally reign, a victory which is already assured.